Hey everybody, welcome back to the Life, Love, and Existential Dread podcast. My name is Brian Arata. I'm a film composer in Los Angeles. My co-host, Nathan Shelton, he's in Chicago. He is an actor, writer, director, and a flat earther, I think. Nathan, are you flat earther? No, okay, I'm wrong on that. You don't know me at all. Oh. I'm an inner earther. Inner earther. I am okay. an inner earther. Scratch that. Yep. Scratch I'm that. not a flat earther. Scratch that, inner earther. All right, so brand new episode. We got something a little exciting, a little different. We have our first and possibly last guest ever <laughs> on the show. Mutual friend of ours. His name is Daryl Clonch, outstanding visual effects artist, compositor, Credits just keep racking them up. Big movies, big TV shows. Welcome to the show, Daryl. How you doing? Hey guys, good. How are you? Okay, doing fantastic. Good. Where are you? Where are you right now, Daryl? I am in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. Oh, nice. Which yeah, is where we all think- met originally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Daryl and I went to the same college. Actually, Brian also. You went there too, right? You went to MSU. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, that's what I thought. But we weren't there together. But Daryl and I were just overlapping. Like he, we were there for a little bit together. A year or two, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, we all met on Dracula. Yes. Right. Right. Well, that's uh, where I well, met Well, actually, that's where you yeah. met Daryl. But yeah, actually, so Brian and I had worked on a play together a couple of years into college for me. Um, when you know we had talked about this on another episode, uh, it was uh, Clue the Musical, which was. Not a great show, but we had a good time trying to make that work and uh, became good friends. And then we started developing some other things together. Daryl and I met right around that same time um, on I showed up to an audition that I read about for Daryl's script because Daryl's a great film writer as well. And um, he was working on um, his opus that he had developed while he was in school called uh, Homage, Darkness and the Lord's Prayer which he needed some actors for. And when I showed up to the audition, I saw him come in looking very much like Silent Bob. You know, I think you had a long trench coat on that you had, right? I I was heavily into my Kevin Smith phase. Yeah. Oh, in all likelihood. (laughs) Excellent. Yeah. And so you show up and I'm like, well, I like this guy. And there was like a connection. And I read, um, read for that. And I thought, man, this script is so good. I read the whole thing and I thought it's, it's awesome. It's kind of a slasher thing, but there was so much more going on, a lot of metaphor and a lot of nods to classic horror cinema and tropes. And I was like, I got to get you really good actors for this because I just, you don't want to just go with whoever shows up to the audition. So I went around and wrangled up a bunch of my actor friends to, to come and audition for Daryl. And, um, we shot that over spring break, which was, uh, freezing cold out in an Amish, uh, the Amish country, right? Daryl. Yeah. I, the, the house was like just past Amish country. So like Nathan and, and I, and yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, like the nearest restroom was like a McDonald's, like 15 miles away. <laughs> Um, if you had to go number twosies and you didn't want to go in the woods because the house had no running water or like yeah it oh jeez it was awesome it was i mean for a horror movie it was perfect and the guy that owned it was going to demolish it as soon as we were done so we could literally do anything to any of the structure and he didn't care and we slept out there all together in the front room with a kerosene <laughs> heater in the middle of the room on cots 
Yeah. As we shot and we would have long days of shooting and then we'd stay up and party all night. And honestly, it was like the best and the worst spring break of my life all wrapped yeah. into one and a memory that I will treasure forever. Yeah, it's it's still one of my favorite projects that I've ever worked on. I just there was so much awesomeness, but it was it was an experience to say the least. And <laughs> we yeah, all got I think- sick. Too. I know yes. I got I had a fever the last few after I got crucified, my character gets crucified. Yeah. Oh. And uh it was my first effects gig too. I ran I did all the practical effects for the movie. Daryl was doing yeah, all the digital. You did some awesome, awesome stuff. Yeah. And, was fun. Uh, Is it- yeah, there was campfires and I mean we were out there for a solid week and no cars passed by. There was <laughs> one buggy. One one horse drawn buggy that passed after we blew up the van. Yep. And that was it. Yeah, yeah. we had the fire so. department come out for the van blow up. Daryl yeah. had his, was it your cousin, Daryl, that had yeah, the... Yeah, I, I have a cousin that does uh, fireworks displays, a pyrotechnic, and he had just taken an effects class. And so I called him and was like, can can I can I get you to blow up a van for me? And he's like, would I? <laughs> and uh, his only requirement was that I get the local uh, fire chief to sign off on it. And I called Fordland, and of course, it's all volunteer. And so like, we don't have a fire chief, but can we come watch? I'm like, will you bring fire trucks? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, we'll turn it into a training exercise. And so, yeah, we blew up a van, like, legitimately. <laughs> really <laughs> wow. blew the hell out of it. Oh, it was, it was awesome. And then, yeah, the fire department put it all out, and it it was it was a day. I mean, but do you remember, Daryl, bef- before that van got blown up, driving it around, <laughs> Tyler and I, dri- driving it with no engine because the engine died, and we had it chained to your truck? Technically... I'm, uh, yeah, it, it was a, a very old van that I had purchased for like 400 bucks, maybe 300 bucks. Uh-huh. And none of us could, like my cousin, uh, he's very mechanically inclined. He gets started every time. He just like jumps in and gets the van started. It's fine. Yeah. As soon as he leaves, nobody could get this thing started. But it started smoking was, while we were driving it. Well, it's, we were, <laughs> the engine was, so on we fire. had to get some like <laughs> moving footage. And in retrospect, this van really didn't need to be moving for like half of the stuff. That right. I still wanted it filmed, um, <laughs> right? Because it didn't so matter. I like I hooked this thing up to my pickup truck and I'm driving around downtown Springfield trying to pick all roads where there's not a lot of traffic. The entire cast and some of the crew was in the van filming everything, and I'm driving, listening on my headset. And uh, I kind of got used to seeing the brake, my brake lights reflecting in the grill of the van, and then I realized at one stop that the red that I was seeing wasn't on the front of the grill it was coming from behind the grill and so i stop and pull over and i'm getting out and i'm like guys everybody get out of there it's on fire it's on fire and i could hear one of the actors in the headset goes why is daryl yelling at us wouldn't it be funny if the van was on fire oh shit it's on fire oh yeah. my god yeah Big, heavy so, like, electrical smoke like yeah coming out of it the was engine. just all of the friction like tyler was driving it and he had his foot on the, he was doing everything right but there's still enough friction for me pulling it and just decades of caked on oil that it heated up and it just it caught on fire. So we're like trying to put it out with water bottles. And there was <laughs> thankfully a bunch of guys on their front porch smoking and drinking. And one of them was just like, hey, you guys need a bucket? And so they, they brought we? some water over. We put it out. But so that was like we, we did get everything. And then we're like, well, we can't just leave it in the street. And it started to sprinkle. And thankfully... Tyler and Nathan were as dumb as I was 
I'm like, we're just going to go ahead and haul this out to Fordland because we got to shoot tomorrow morning. We were in Springfield, so we yeah. drove it. Well, At we didn't drive it. We were in it. Tyler was steering it while we were chained to Daryl's truck in a. It, yeah. Was it sleeting or was it just raining? It was. It, I mean, it was raining. It was. It was nasty because it was. It was really chilly. hard rain. Yeah. So and Nathan's just like on going the phone, like, <laughs> trying to, and all I hear is him screaming uh, most of the time. There's like one point where we're on sixty. And 65 is merging, and this huge semi comes in oh, God. to merge. And, like, I pull the truck over to the other lane, but there's, like, a 15-second delay before the van yeah. because starts to go to, to the other yeah. lane. And so this semi is just, it's not slowing down. And Nathan's just screaming into the phone <laughs> as this semi gets closer and closer as the van just slowly moves out of the way. Yeah, I thought <laughs> yeah. we were going to die. And, I mean... It was it was pretty crazy too because the steering was loose on it. We could and we kept getting you know if there was any lag, like if Daryl didn't keep that, it's hard. It was like nigh impossible because yeah. we would get some momentum, and if he slowed down, we would hit him. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he we had he had to ride the brake, so he was riding the brake. We were trying to keep it taut, but that's really hard. So sometimes it would just yank, and the chain. We were like, we can't, we don't want it to snap because if yeah. the, if a part breaks off of his truck or our van, the bumper falls off. We're yeah. done. Yeah. We're like we're just coasting down a highway In with other rain. cars, at just no way. <laughs> yeah. So we're trying to keep it. And so every once in a while, it would like grab us, and we. Like the whole thing would jerk, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. lurch forward. Did it have brakes? It was uh, the most physically. Yes, kind of. I mean, yeah, brakes. You know, in theory, it had the idea of brakes. So you had yeah. very just little, like it had the idea of a working engine. So yeah. Just yeah. very little control over this, over this, over this van. Right. Yeah. Okay. Daryl had I mean, most of the control because we were chained to his truck. Right. Yeah. Right. And I mean, we I could only steer up, and apply so. brakes, basically. <laughs> yeah. But we got yeah. it back out to the farmhouse, and then we got to blow it up. And I think we all took turns pissing on it at some point too. Yeah, so once we, once we got there, we all had to pee really bad, so we just took turns. We were like swearing at it while we were doing that. You, band, you, you yeah. almost killed us. We're gonna pee. Yeah. On you. Did it look good? Did yeah. it turn out good on film? Uh, oh hell! Yeah. The explosion was awesome. Okay, I, I mean, it was good. The film, unfortunately, is uh, in hard drives still sitting around here. Oh, man. I was gonna ask where can, where can we watch it, but it's still being. Edited. You can see the trailer on YouTube. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the explosions. And actually, I put, I think, both clips of the explosion up online oh, somewhere. Oh, right, you did. Yeah, those ago. existed, too. So that may have been on MySpace. You know what? That's <laughs> My true. I may, that, it was back in the MySpace days. The beginnings of Facebook was just yeah. around the corner, I think. You know, yeah. I might be able to put, if I can, I'll put um, a link to that video in the show notes. So if anybody oh, wants yeah. to watch the no, trailer man. for Homage, Darkness oh, in the Lord's Prayer. It's such a terrible trailer. But. Oh, <laughs> no, I man. think it's fun. I mean, it's it's some college students making a movie, and I think it it, oh, yeah. uh, it was well, so much fun. We There was a lot of great things in that, and a lot of those people, oh my God, almost everybody's out in L.A. now. Yeah. I think. Or, or, or they have been in L.A. and came back, or... You, you know, that's yeah. yeah. I mean, we've all we've all scattered for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, the trailer's terrible. I, the movie itself, I think, is is still really good. Like you all, considering you guys were all college kids and whatnot, really good performances. All of your makeup stuff was awesome. Yeah, that's um, funny, man. The acting was good. <laughs> a lot of one of my biggest chores was we had a couple actors that when they couldn't remember the lines would just start dropping f bombs as a way to kind of fill that space. And so there was a lot of just, just constant swearing that I've kind of 
cut out a little bit of. (laughs) Well, do you remember that one outtake night that I couldn't get one of my lines? I'm supposed to be like, oh, somebody kisses another character who's just a real jerk in the movie. This girl kisses her boyfriend and he's just he's a slimy meathead kind of. A terrible person. Jock, a terrible person. And I lean over to the person I'm standing next to and I'm supposed to say, I wonder what asshole tastes like. Oh. Or something like that. But I No, that, that was the I, line. They kiss and you just go, yeah. ugh, I wonder what asshole tastes like. Yeah, but <laughs> I couldn't, I still can't get my head around how to say that line right because to me, it's like, I, and so we went through all these outtakes of me saying it over and over again, trying to get it right, trying to make it sound right. And for some reason, I still I still can't make that line. Well, yeah, it always like sounds like I'm asking literally like you. You really wanted to know like. what? Like, I really have to know like, what asshole. Like, <laughs> method actor. <laughs> you got to do it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's what it seems like. It's like, hmm, I wonder what asshole yeah. tastes like. And then everybody like leaves the frame, yeah. you know, yeah. but yeah. I, um, <laughs> we're not going to help you with that. Nathan, so you're on your own for that one. If you, if, you haven't got it figured right. out by now. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. So that I mean, but it was it was man, it was so much fun. And so yeah. Daryl and I were quick friends after that. We all put in so you know when you go through, which oh, is yeah. what we're going to talk about next. But you go through that like ride or die kind of like everybody's just given everything they have, their health, you know, their yeah. their blood, sweat, and tears, and everybody's just dying for something. You come out with some solid friendships and respect mm-hmm. and, you know, because you've gone through some shit, you know. Any yeah. artist that has done a show or, you know, been through a, a, what it takes to make a movie or a TV show or a, or a, a theater piece, oh, my God, you, you know what we're talking about. We all worked on Dracula, which was a Stephen Dietz piece, and we pulled Brian in to do the music because I really I was directing this piece and designing it, and Daryl came in to help with like video sequences, and then he was in the cast, which was fun because we had flipped roles. You know, he was the director of homage, and then I was the director of this, and we just got to play, and we did play. And Brian, you know, we've talked about this before how those rehearsals were awesome. And Brian, we did all these exploratory movement rehearsals where we turned the lights out in the space, and Brian would just play stuff on the piano and uh kind of move with what we were doing and oh man it was it was like some very good some very good things came out of those movement uh, exercises musically that made it into the show right so what you know what you were doing how you were directing the other actors what they came up with in the moment you know it inspired me to do things and you know it made that show really what it was uh you know the success that it became because it was that it was very successful as far as, you know, the- it was, I think it's still considered one of the most successful productions in, in Springfield, Missouri. Yeah. I, we had, we sold out every single show for a three weekend run. And we, I think that first one even got extended. Didn't we get extended? I, I remember you yeah. saying they had to add another so. weekend yeah, to it. I, yeah. Yeah, I think it was yeah. a, it wound up being a four weekend run, but I can't remember. But it was yeah, like I mean, you remember though those nights with the people lined up down. We yeah. were on the fourth floor of the Vandevort building where the theater used to be in this old um the theater was actually a converted uh Mason's lodge mm-hmm. or Mason's temple um that had turned into a theater. It's see it was like a hundred and fifty seat, kind of like an off Broadway house. I wouldn't call it a black box because it's not too convert. It had a, a proscenium stage, um, no real fly system, but a balcony that wrapped around. Great venue, yeah. And uh, we did a lot of stuff there. But that our we formed that production company. We 
got money we begged, borrowed, and stole, and we did that whole show ourselves. Just a few college students and all of our friends and uh, people were lined up all yeah. four flights of stairs out the front door of the Vandevort. It was a blockbuster on a nightly basis, just trying to get in to get tickets. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Yeah. It, and Daryl, part of that success is because of Daryl, because Daryl at the time was working at. Uh, one of the TV oh. stations in town, and he yeah. illegally <laughs> ran an ad for us. Well, not illegally, it, but it was against it was, the rules. Yeah, it, it, I ran it as a PSA. Yes, but which means it went into time slots where nothing sold, so I wasn't yes. like costing the studio any money or anything. Yeah. Right, like that, and so no, many right. people you just snuck it in, but that. it was prime time slots. Yeah, yeah. it was like yeah. some prime time slots that nobody had sold yet. Yeah. So people are at home watching, you know, whatever they're watching in the evenings, and then a a. a, a commercial would come up for a local production of dracula mm-hmm. and man the box office was just getting call after call after call people were there was so much buzz about the show and yeah. it was so cool because not a lot of people have their shows fully scored like a film too and the, i mean the entire play was underscored yeah. by brian's yeah. music and uh, those cds are also available link in available. the show notes the cds <laughs> yeah. and you can you can get it um like a condensed digital too. Yeah, a condensed version of both productions, the uh, 06 and the 08 is on is on oh, is, yeah. is on Bandcamp. Um I'll put a link to the to that on in these things. But one other thing I want to say about the commercial was I remember uh people coming up to me. I was a teacher at that time saying, "Oh, I saw your commercial for that thing. You know, is that your music in the thing?" And my music was in the commercial and I remember falling oh, yeah, it was. and I remember yeah. falling asleep one time and waking up and hearing my Music. I was like, "Where is that coming from?" Oh, it's coming from the TV. It's a commercial. You know, it's such a weird experience. Like the one of the first times I saw yeah. it, it woke me up at night. My own music, and but it was you know our commercial <laughs> on. You know, it's weird. That's awesome. Oh yeah, and it was such a cool commercial. It just had part of an, I think, an image of the from one of the posters, and then it had that red, those red billowing curtains that you could mm-hmm. kind of put on it, or maybe it was blood, like a like swirling. I don't know. It was red swirling, and it yeah. it had the production information, and it said, and then it. Had had I, I remember it had some lines from van helsing and dracula tyler and yeah. steven and then it had renfield uh saying yes yes you know the master is coming yeah. or something like that oh, i mean man. it was all down to the audio on oh the yeah spot. yeah so yeah. that it, yeah and all, everybody i mean and again a lot of the folks that was on the horror movie were also in dracula <clears throat> yep so a lot of the same people because they were all friends from college and we all and we all produced that show together everybody i mean we would stay i slept at the theater at least four or five times during that and i think somebody some other people did and daryl you and i gave plasma for that (laughs) you were the only one that would do it you were like the i think you were the assistant director on that one or something adam wasn't there Yeah. yeah, and so you, you and I, no, we couldn't get anybody else to do it. But Daryl and I went, and we gave plasma because you had been doing that before, and you knew about I, it, and I had never done I had it. D- yeah, I did. And it you got me into it, and we breaks. we did that to get prop money for the show. And yeah. I, we I were mean, literally yeah. giving our blood for our art, literally for Dracula. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I mean, I think we did that at least twice a week for three months. We so. had to. We we wow. had to get some extra. I mean, we were poor college kids. I used my student loan money on that. I any money I had went into that. I almost got divorced during that, which later, you know, just life finished that marriage off. But mm. fine. But that show. I mean, we were living it, like really living it, and literally it giving you was blood. So for it. Uh, awesome. Yeah, it yeah. was so awesome when it opened, and and uh, you know, people still talk about it. Mm. People have asked, uh, you know, all the time. When are, oh, are you guys going to do Dracula again? Because that was in 05, actually. That first production was 2005. Then we did it again in 2008. 
And in the 2008 production, it was also a great production. Again, featured Brian's music, featured video sequences from Daryl. Um, but both of you, Brian was already in Los Angeles. Daryl, you were getting ready to go to Los Angeles at that yeah. point, right? You hadn't gone well, yet. Well, I was, I was working at the video game studio that was like, Right, Paper Lantern, week, so. right? Black Lantern, yeah. Black Lantern, wow. that's it, yeah. And so you you were so busy, but you did some amazing video sequence work uh, for us and uh, some cool stuff with the bird, I remember, mm. with the crow and stuff, and um, just really helped that production out. And we had more money going into it that second time around we were able to do more stuff with lights but there was still the second production was amazing and it has a special place in my heart but there's still something about that first real groundling kind of thing of us all just getting costumes from anywhere we could and building everything ourselves and you know that we didn't have help. Nobody helped us. You know, it was just us. We did it as a co-production with the theater. So we paid for everything. We bought the rights to the show, you know, and all that. They gave us the space and the space was great. But we used sets left over from the Summerstock Company tent theater that I'd kept in my garage for a year. <laughs> and we <laughs> repurposed and repainted them. Yeah. Uh, we wouldn't let them tear the sets down. And so <laughs> we, everything we could do to keep it, keep it going. But my God, man, that's still just some, some great, great memories. So that's where our, yep. the three of us, the three amigos on this call here, that's where our kind of um, artistic lives uh, and friendships really formed and cemented. And then we've all gone off from there. And uh, I know listeners know where Brian and I are now and what we're doing, but Daryl, uh, maybe tell us a little bit about your trajectory and where life took you. You're back in Springfield now, which is where yeah. we met, but you did spend a lot of time in Los Angeles. So talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Trajectory makes it sound like there was like an actual planned course. And that was <laughs> not anywhere not near the case. Now, um, <clears throat> like I said, I think when we met, I was working in a TV studio and I went to a video game studio and was working stupid hours there. And then they ended up like, they were right on that cusp where we mainly did Nintendo DS games. And then the, the iPhone became popular and everybody quit putting money into the DS. And uh, so... They like they worked on a ton of Nickelodeon games there, and then they laid like almost everybody off. And so I spent a year here in Springfield, like freshly married, trying to do freelance work. And there's, you know, as one can imagine, not a ton of video game whatnot work here in town. So uh, we decided we, my wife, she she wanted to try acting. And I definitely wanted to get into movies. And so we we're like, well, <laughs> now is definitely the best time before we have kids. So uh, I went out there and spent six months living in our buddy Al's uh, basically utility room, sleeping next to his washer and dryer while looking for work out there. And something that I did not know at the time, but I'm very well aware of now is like everything's pretty much dead from mid-May to mid-August. And I got out there in April and... <clears throat> Like was basically ready to come home when I finally got a call back from one of the studios that I had visited, and it it was complete accident that I even met them because there was a uh, our buddy Tyler was working at a hotel out there, and they were having a jobs fair that he let me know about. And Disney Animation and a couple of video game studios were going to be there, so I like put on my suit and got a stack of resumes and went to this thing, 
And the two video game studios, turns out they weren't even hiring, but they'd already paid for the booth. So they just showed up to like <laughs> nice. hand out stickers. Oh, and they, yeah. Yeah. And Disney was like, have you applied online? I was like, yeah. Cool. Here's some pencils. <laughs> Check back in later. And I was like, oh, all right. And c- come to find out, it was a, a visual effects uh, job fair. So these were like the only three places that were not a visual effects studio. And I'm there with my suit and tie and a stack of resumes. And I'm like, I got nothing else to do. So I just talked to every single booth there. And this one dude was like six and a half foot tall Hispanic guy with like full sleeve tats and like, you know, all the way up. He was uh, the visual effects supervisor at a company that had done the effects for Limitless and Black Swan. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I ended up talking to him for a long time just because I love those movies. Yeah, and great and, effects uh, in those movies too. Yeah, I mean, it was solid. And, and but I didn't have any visual effects experience like on my resume. It was all stuff I'd done on my own. Mm-hmm. But I chatted him up and he's and he's like, no, I'll give you a call. And then this was in the first of June. I didn't hear anything until mid-August when I'm literally like a week from like going back to Missouri, tail tucked between my legs. And I get a call and he's like, hey, are you the guy with the suit and the beard? <laughs> yes. Um, so I went in and he didn't even ask for a demo reel. I gave him my resume and he's like, yeah, that's what I thought. You you worked on Sesame Street. I was like, yeah, it was a Nintendo DS game. He's like, ah, you know Muppets. Like, okay, sure. I was like, so he's like, you start Monday. I'm like, cool. Am I going to be like helping with paperwork or whatever? He's like, no, you're going to be working on shots. It's uh, the first job I got was on Muppets, the Muppet movie that came out in 2011. Wow. And so it was just oh, yeah. The one that bizarre... won for best music, the I'm a man, I'm a Muppet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. Nice. So just this bizarre like chatting with him. And having Sesame Street Nintendo DS game, <laughs> they got me. They got me into visual effects, and then I lucked out because you don't like a lot of the contracts. It's all project based. Your average contract's right. like three months long. Just happened to have enough projects at this one place that I was there for nine months. I was able to get like six titles on my resume, and then suddenly I was officially a visual effects artist, which I love a lot more than the video game stuff. But it wasn't actually intentional. We were out there for five years. We stayed until yeah. Persephone was born and about three months old. And then Rachel moved back with her at Christmas. And then I came back about a month and a half later. And I started uh, freelancing as a remote contractor, visual effects with a couple of studios I'd worked with out there. Mm-hmm. And then one local production place that does infomercials. Mm-hmm. Um, started doing some work with them. <laughs> and the thing that really kind of helped out was I moved back and I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to get to know the locals again. I, I've lost contact with all the local film people and I should get to know some spread, you know, spread out a little bit. So I sent out emails to every post house that I could find online in the neighboring four states, which there were seven of them. Hmm. Um, and it just happened that one of them, this dude in Kansas, had done basically the same thing I did where he had a kid move back to his hometown, except for he had been out there a lot longer. And he had worked at ILM and Sony and a couple of the big ones. So he had some contacts. Yeah. And I've been working with him off and on to now, you know. So he's really the one that's kind of helped me get some of the bigger shows. uh, And I always forget what I've worked on. Um, (laughs) Well, I know you've worked on some Marvel stuff. You've worked on Walking Dead, right? You worked on Walking Dead is all stuff I did here in Springfield. Um, Right. Yeah. And you were in L.A. Yeah, and you were doing a couple of other AMC shows too, because you did Nosferatu, right? Did, weren't you working on? Yeah, Nosferatu? I did a couple. 
a couple episodes of that. I did yeah. a lot. I mean, it's been a lot of Netflix stuff lately. So it was like the Queen's Gambit was a big one wow. we did last year. I worked on Foundation over the summer. Um, I'm currently working on, uh, we're subcontracting for a subcontractor of another VFX place. So it's uh, there's some NDAs involved in there. Mm-hmm. But I'm working on a couple of uh, kind of bucket list sci-fi shows. Oh wow! Um, that I've been really excited about. One of them, uh, the current one that I'm working on, uh, it's a producer, somebody that Brian knows really well. So oh, is it it's Seth? been a it's been it's been a good couple of months. So <laughs> oh, excellent! Yeah. yeah, he's got an NDA, Brian. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I can't oh okay. Say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well that's but, yeah, that's it, awesome it, though mean, man i you keep working yeah. i mean that's the thing is i think people sometimes think you know and not just in the acting world but there's so many we've talked about the collaborative nature of filmmaking and especially i mean all art like this performing art like theater film tv it's all collaborative but filmmaking oh my god it, it, you don't I used to think you had to be in one of the markets, like you had to be in Los Angeles or New York or Chicago. And certainly it's easier if you are because you're amongst all the other people. But then again, it's a double-edged sword too because the cost of living is high. And then you also have all that competition, especially in the acting world, I know, because everybody's doing the same thing. But I, I, once it's you've a kind ton of harder for the actors than it is for me. I mean, I, yeah. I can't speak for Brian's stuff, but... Brian's so got it hard too, were, he said. Yeah. Well, that's that's one <laughs> because th- they all well, that's one thing I want to ask you, Daryl. Is like how stiff is the competition for the jobs you're trying to do? Like Queen's Gambit. I mean, I think someone like you would just be dying to get on something that big. I mean, you probably didn't know that oh, yeah. it was gonna be a huge hit as it was, but I was like, how hard is it to get those jobs? I'm sure it's you know, relationships and things like everything else, but I was just wondering how difficult yeah, it's a, or competitive it is. It's 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 a hundred percent networking. Like hmm. I, if I didn't spend five years in LA building the contacts and getting the resume, then it would have had to have been a different market. Like I guess Atlanta mm-hmm. now or New Orleans or Toronto or, or one of those, not because otherwise I couldn't get anything except for like little indie things that don't, which I like, but they don't pay a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah, the, I mean, and those the are few and far pretty, between in Missouri. Oh yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, I, it's pretty stiff, but I'm <laughs> I'm kind of really old for the industry. It's like I saw a, a pie chart, and it's like people that work in visual effects, because when you're in LA, it's again, it's like a 90 hour week. You just expect yeah. it to do overtime and then have three months of unemployment. It's a sweatshop. So, it really is. Yeah, yeah. No, and it, there's there's no there's no reliability to it at all. So like the little pie chart was like something like a a large percentage is like ages 20 to 27 and then a smaller percentage is like to mid 30s mid and then like it's literally like three percent of people working in the visual effects industry are over 40 unless they're managing their own company their own that's house, it right? that's exactly what it is they're, they're because they're they either owners. decide i gotta get out of just doing the the schlepping every day and and run something where i'm having other people schlep for me exactly or i've got to yeah. Well, I'm sure that some of the younger people are willing to work for less than someone who's got more experience, a little bit older. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's got to have something sure. to do yeah, with and it. And like, yeah, and it, and it's like migrant labor because it's like if you want to constantly keep in work, you move from LA to Georgia to you know you're constantly a bunch from the the studio that I left it it closed down not too long after I left it, and they opened up their new office in Vancouver, and so it was most of the staff went to Canada, you know? Wow. So it's just, and it's, 
it's a rough industry to like keep anything going. Cause I think I've worked for about 13 studios and I think three of them are still in operation. Oh, so, wow. you know, it, but it, you it's see hard, those FX houses build. at the end of, of the credits, you know, and all the, all, and all those names of all those. And some yeah. movies have like 19 different effects houses that worked on it because one team, <laughs> one whole effects house only did like the fire and the explosions or yeah, whatever. And another effects. team did all the bullet hits and all the digital yeah. makeup stuff, which, you know, but Daryl's name pops up in so many damn movies yeah. these days. And I'm like, that's my buddy. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's always nice to see your name. Well, well what, yeah. I'm just, you know, I know you're a visual effects artist. I've seen some of your work, but like on Queen's Gambit, what did you actually do? I mean, what were your actual position and what was the outcome of what you did on that on that project? I mean, it's always I'm always a compositor, but um Oh, it was a For lot our of listeners, like, Daryl, can you explain what yeah, that is? Yeah, I, I don't know yeah, exactly yeah, yeah, what I mean, that is either. It's a composite. I mean, it's just like the word composite. It's taking multiple layers of things and putting them together. So it's like we'll get the, the footage of the actor on blue screen, and then we'll add in the sparks. We'll replace the, the blue screen. We'll clean up makeup or whatever. Just adding all the layers of stuff so it, it looks like something with depth, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, make it a little more interesting. I a ton of it is cleanup. Like it's not sexy, but it's like removing cables or grip gear and stuff like that. Or um, fixing makeup. Like, I know you've done that. Somebody didn't have a good makeup day or something, or they didn't no, have a good effects, and so you have to like make it look better. You've yes. I remember smooth out smooth out a lot of scenes. Um, I worked on a couple of uh, Ryan Murphy jobs now. Um, American Crime Story. We just did one that hasn't come out yet. That's uh, a Jeffrey Dahmer uh, mm. miniseries. I've seen an ad for that. Netflix. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. And like he and his team focus on wigs, and so it's like a ton of wig fixes and like making sure that there's no glue up there. I mean, so there's there's the sexy stuff. Like in Queen's Gambit was uh, replacing backgrounds and stuff, so it looked like 1960s or whatever Russia and all that. Okay. But then mm-hmm. there's a ton of fixing glue lines or like on winter soldier there was a couple of uh shots where they filmed late and scarlett johansson had some bags under her eyes that the makeup just couldn't conceal so i was in there easing up the bags under her eyes and uh there's a i've done a ton of work making beautiful women more beautiful and it, it's a little especially as a dad it's a hard job daryl but oh, somebody's gotta do so it. i know right so rough <laughs> to be working on scarlett no. johansson's face as a job Jeez. well that was <laughs> One one of my early uh, uh, assignments at the first studio was uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower. There's a Rocky Horror picture scene, and I had to uh, fix a slight wardrobe malfunction on Emma Watson. And I was like, this is a tough gig. (laughs) (laughs) No, that always interests me. It's a hard knock life. (laughs) No, it always interests me. I, you know, see everything, your name pop up and all those credits, you know, I was just, you know, what does it actually do? What are you actually doing? But I, I get what, I get more yeah. what you're saying right now. Cause I, yeah, I didn't know what a compositor was, but, uh, but then I see well, stuff it, like X-Men future past. I was like, what'd you, oh man, it's a huge movie. Winter soldier. Love both of those. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I did. Um, some of the space stuff in, uh, the first guardians of the galaxy. Oh. A lot of fun. Um, and Brian worked on the second of Guardians of the Galaxy. No, I saw. I heard you guys talk about. It. I was like, ah, just missed, just missed. Oh, okay. You got the first one. I got the second one. All right. Yeah, yeah. I'll get the third one, guys. You got, Nathan's okay. I'll be the guy in the background <laughs> holding a drink, just being like, ah. Uh. 
huge James Gunn fan. Just finished yeah. uh, Peacemaker Ooh, on HBO. Yeah. Oh, I haven't watched any of those. It is great. It is yeah. great. And I have not been a fan of all the DC stuff coming out. I'm a little bit, you know, I'm a little bit more of a snob than some people. Uh, I, I mean, to, I've not liked a lot of the DC stuff. It's, so I, like, I don't like any of the Zack Snyder DC stuff. And I, no. I'm not really a Zack Snyder fan. And I, I have many friends who are. Kudos to you guys. I'm not yeah. trying to knock your your boy. For me, he doesn't do it. It's a lot no. of visual fluff with not a lot of substance. Yeah. And it he, he makes nuts. like really good concept art movies. Yes. Like, yes. Um, as a, a sucker punch, like I will turn the volume off of that and just watch and just it. let it run with my own soundtrack going because it is pretty. And same with uh, Watchmen. Like I love the bass stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. Yeah, I that's. I had a lot of friends that were constantly posting like the restore the Snyder verse and it, I tried like, to watch it. it. Did, I couldn't, couldn't. No. I mean, just the, just, the first it, scene I was like, well, this is way too dramatic to start a movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like everybody's so morose and intense. Yeah. Right off the it's, I, I realized in watching with the justice league that everything that I actually liked was obviously the stuff that was shot by Joss Whedon, you know, oh, yeah. whatever his place in the world is right now. I definitely preferred his stuff over Zach's. So I was just like, you know what? I want to let them enjoy what they're going to enjoy and yeah, not comment on it. Yeah, it, it's rough. So, and I love Batman, right? And I actually grew up more as a DC fan than a Marvel, except for X-Men. I loved X-Men, but I yeah. didn't get into the all the... You know, like our friend Heath, who was in Dracula and has done a bunch of stuff with us. He's into all the Marvel stuff. He knows everything about everything. And it's like a beautiful mind watching him talk about Marvel. <laughs> it's like he can just see it all buzzing around his, his damn head. But for me, and I, I, I don't know how you guys felt, but I grew up with Batman. Batman was always my hero. He had the best villains. I loved Batman. I can't. And it's I have nothing against Ben Affleck. I actually really like Ben Affleck. But I don't like Zack Snyder's movies so much that I have never been able to make it through a full one. I think I did the first Suicide Squad movie and I watched all of that. But I also despise Jared Leto. I can't. Yeah. I'm not a fan He's, of him. I, I keep hearing all this stuff about the horrible things he does to his fellow actors on set. And I don't think that's ever called for. So any talent yeah. the guy has, to me, it's like a wash. I would rather have maybe a less talented person play the part that is just as, better to work with. I don't know. But there's plenty I mean, of people who could play Joker. And yeah, exactly. All that weird and, shit. and for the amount that he was actually in those films. Yeah. You know, it. Right. Like all but that said, then, I am looking forward to Morbius. With uh, the, oh, yeah. Oscar. I don't know, man. Yeah. I love vampires. I love that character. I don't know if I can do it because I cannot get Leto, Jared Leto out of my head. <laughs> I just got to block I don't want against to him already. Yeah. I, yeah. I do. I have, an, I have a, an aversion to Leto and this is going to probably piss people off. But I don't care. I, I can't. I really don't like him. I don't eat something about him. All the things I I've heard, you know, and, uh, like I wouldn't want to work with him as an actor. Mm -hmm. I don't want to work with somebody who treats people like that. And is very selfish like that. No way. Mm -hmm. So yeah, not a huge fan, but then again, anything that James Gunn has done and what he's brought to the both universes, I think he yeah. brought a levity yeah. to the Marvel universe that after those movies came out, that first guardians, the Marvel Universe changed a little bit and stopped taking itself so seriously. If yeah. you just watch the next movie right after that, which I believe is Age of Ultron, if I'm not. Yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah I think yeah. it's Age of Ultron. Um, but you go to that, you know, already we're getting a little bit more fun in the dialogue and a mm. little bit lightheartedness and more kind of people having fun with it. Because James Gunn had so much fun with well, you know, Guardians. an awesome movie about a raccoon in a tree. Yeah. yeah. So there's like, okay, fine. Right. And so when Peacemaker came out, you know, I was like, 
John Cena, come on. I mean, is this really going to be good? <laughs> but he's great. He's, he's yeah, really he's good. good. He's so talented. Actor. Yeah, he's got some he comedic is, And skills. I think James Gunn brought that out and really mm-hmm. showcases. But everybody in the show is good. Everybody. And it's got people that I've loved watching them, um, you know, their whole careers. Some Canadian actors in there that I love and, well, and that the, have popped up in things over the years. And that one actor kind of looks like you, Daryl. <laughs> the, yeah. There's a guy. Somebody else oh. actually told me that. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> the dyed beard guy. The dyed beard the, guy the, yeah. looks, looks a little guy. bit like Daryl. Yeah. He I, he does. And that show no, also I, has one of the best opening credit sequences I've seen on television. In a and long, you've long seen long you've heard, read the background on that, right? No. That that I mean, it's nerd stuff. But uh, the choreographer they had this they kind of came up with it was during lockdown, so she didn't have a lot of people to work through it. But the whole point was they wanted it to look like a middle aged hetero dude did a TikTok dance. Like that was her her line that she was supposed to keep to. And so she worked through the choreography with her husband who has no dance background at all. And then when it's time to shoot, he came on to set to show him all the dance moves and to work through it. And her husband is Alan Tiddick. Oh, Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. I love it. I mean, we're all getting into our forties or already in our forties and, you know, you just seeing all of us starting out in Missouri, not knowing what what we're gonna do and when we're where we're gonna go, and everybody's doing uh, cool things and making it work. Daryl, you've got two kiddos, yep, and balance and that, seven. balance that, a wife and your family, and are able to do all of that very well and still work in the industry that you love from Springfield. Brian, you know, you're doing music and and uh, all sorts of stuff for indie films too because you've been doing a lot of indie work lately right yeah like, have people have been hitting you up for indie work? yeah quite a bit of that that's coming back a little bit you know despite the pandemic and uh but i also right. i also write a whole bunch of stuff for online music libraries and they get placed and all kinds oh, of nice. stuff right. and so it's like i don't see where it goes but i just get my uh, but it's, it's called, getting used. It's sure. getting used. I'm getting royalties, you know, and so that's you know I, I I do a lot of that more so than oh here's another independent film. So um, and both well, of them right. as a, pay as some a bills. quick plug. Yeah. But uh, which which one of those music library services do you recommend people use? Um, the big one, BMG. They have the widest reach to any production house on the planet. There's stuff in there okay. that, that gets into everything. Netflix, you know, Prime Video, uh, you know, regular network shows, big, big, big movies. They have their reach into every production studio, big movie studios on the planet. They're, they're bigger than anyone. Um, I'm lucky enough to know wow. one of the guys who kind of evaluates new composers and every once in a while I say, Hey, is this something good? And he's like, no, or yes. And then you get something in there. Um, so I got a connection directly with that guy, but yeah, thousands and thousands of production houses all over the world use that library. So lots of people, wow. lots of people. So as an artist, what's you that? Said BMG? BMG. BMG. Yeah. BMG. Okay. Yeah. Okay. One of the biggest. As an ones. artist, do they like treat you the best? They're very good. It's very fair. You know, they get, right. you know, whatever the licensing fees are, whatever the, you know, sync fees are, what have you, they get 50%, you get 50% because you couldn't have one without the oh, other, nice. you know, the content without the placement. Right. Yeah. So I was like, yes, of course you get yeah, 50%. Yeah, but, but some of that stuff, man. There's some of those that I've looked into. It's like 10% goes to the artists and that, you know. 
yeah, those those are field. those are those are bad. Yeah, stay away from those libraries. You know, as if you know, as far as getting uh, artists paid. But there's you know this one that I'm in. A friend of mine, he's also in it. He's a fellow composer, and um, he got paid five grand just to have three seconds of a choir sample of one of his huge tracks in like oh. a big movie trailer. I was like, man, sign me up for that. You know, it's just like this. That's, yeah, that's fantastic. Wow. It's just like a major chord. It's like one major chord of a choir sample <laughs> out of this awesome, you know, uh, hybrid, you know, synth orchestral it, why track. Why did he get so much? Is it is it because it was so big of a movie that they had to pay that Those, much in order to get yeah, it? Because it was going to have that kind of visibility? Right. Those big trailers, they pay thousands of dollars for you know five seconds 10 seconds of music and it was hardly anything it was nothing you know I, and i realized that's and it of course it doesn't happen all the time but i was like man sign me up for right. that i want i want to do that so he got me into that library and right. I, I do a lot of that stuff now so i have a quick question about that because something has always bothered me about trailers and daryl we might have actually talked about this some point some point and brian we might have too i don't know but you know how you see a movie or a TV show, modern, you know, like a newer thing, but it's using like Danny Elfman's score from Beetlejuice. Very, I mean, it's a very obvious score or another thing that's just like, I can't, like, okay, like Danny Elfman's score from Tales from the Crypt. Everybody knows that. Bum, 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 right? But you see it in other things that aren't Tales from the Crypt sometimes. And do they do that just to save money? Or what the hell? Why, why are they able to do that? Like, why... Are they saving money doing that? I seriously doubt they're saving monkeys money as as saving monkeys. <laughs> saving monkeys. The saving monkeys here in Los. There's the title of the show. Saving monkeys. <laughs> that's a new. That's a. I, we got to save the monkeys. Save the monkeys. Yeah. Save the monkeys. Kill an artist. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I, I don't have it anywhere near the experience as you, but I know in some cases, like if it's Warner Brothers putting out the the show, then they can kind of charge themselves because it's part of the Warner Music Library. Yep. And then that's a way for them to do some LA accounting and hide some of their profits. You're talking about so money they, laundering. You or got Is that not legal not money laundering? You got though, it. Yeah. Where that's, yeah. So that, that way they could say, oh, this score costs 20 grand and that's 20 grand. They don't have to pay out as royalties. You got it. At the end. That's, that's exactly a yeah. major part yeah. of it. Like a composer will write something. So they are saving money in the long run. So it is because of that, yeah. right? And something, but see something like that, somebody, you know, either Danny Elfman owns some or a very small part of it, but the studio mm -hmm. owns it. And if they want to do, put it in something else, they can put it out whatever fee they want. Something as iconic uh -huh. as that will get noticed by other people. Oh, we we'll recognize that music and draw you in more because you recognize it yeah. but um yeah as far as the money a lot of times the studio owns it and they'll just give it to you for the promotion and uh you know i don't know about other fans though but it pisses me off when i hear that like it doesn't I, make i mean I, I guess it's designed for people who just oh i've heard that before exactly. i don't know what it's from but i've heard it well, but see to me i'm like i know exactly what that's from i'm a huge fan of that movie and this is right. a slap in the face that you're using this on some stupid mm -hmm. like modern teen love story that happens to have zombies or whatever it's being used in that is the beetlejuice <laughs> opening theme god damn it yeah well and you know, some of this stuff you have know some respect i i agree with you but and some of this stuff it's tempt with those things these iconic things and then these directors and producers they can't hear it any other way somebody tries to do a sound alike of the track or whatever oh, and it's not quite close enough right. or somebody gets it in their head it's like it's not what i've been listening to for the last few weeks you know editing it or what have yeah, you yeah. and so i say we got to have that music because that's the only way i can hear it and see it when i'm watching this trailer 
movie, TV show, what have oh, you. So yeah. that I I know that's happened because it's happened to me many times. You know, oh, replace this temp oh, track wow. with a sound alike, but it's not quite what it what the temp track was that they're so used to, and so my score keeps right. getting rejected, or I keep having to redo it. Whatever. That's just that's <laughs> part of the, part of the industry. I, you know. That's insane. I do notice that they do have it doesn't usually make it into the movie like you don't. Oh, I mean, every once in a while, you'll hear a track from another movie actually in the score in the background of another movie. But I think that's rarer. But I do see it a lot happening in trailers, yeah. music yeah. that I know from other things. I'm sure you, you know, being on that side of the industry, Brian, I'm sure you really get it a lot. Like, oh. And are like, oh, my God, the, uh, like you probably notice it way more than I do. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I identify with it immediately. I, I was like, oh, it's this or it sounds like this or they stole it from this or the composer listened to this soundtrack and tried to do a sound alike. I was like, I recognize what that composer was thinking, you know. <laughs> um, right. But yeah, there was right. a there was a video of it was a few years ago now. And there's they're asking just random people on the street. Can you sing? a film score melody. A lot of people sang Star Wars, a lot of people sang mm -hmm. uh, Jaws, a lot of people sang James Bond. And they said, okay, sing a main theme from a Marvel movie. Nobody could do it. You know, and that and that goes to the point where, you know, the comp composition and stuff like that, you know, uh, you know, who the composer is and what they're doing. But it was such a such a such an unusual thing to say. I was like, nobody can name a theme from a Marvel movie. They're just not as memorable it's funny as something you, like you, Star Wars. You, you know? Yeah, you mentioned uh, at least two uh, John Williams scores. Yeah, both yeah. Yeah, two of those are John like, Williams, yeah. <laughs> right. Danny Elfman, John Williams. Yeah, yeah. One of the greatest film yeah, composers I mean, I, of our time. I can't time. think of any. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I can't think of any Marvel Boom. score. Like, I would be I able to identify Doctor Strange yeah. because of that middle eastern kind of feel but beyond that yeah well i can do i it. can remember because i've been watching them but that bomb 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 uh that's guardians that i kind of you know yeah yeah that's um, tyler ba tyler bates yeah. on guardians yeah and he's tyler not bates. Yeah. yeah that's great score yeah so it's just you know part of the industry part of working with it you know make 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 filmmakers happy and another aspect of that temp mm -hmm. music stuff there was one big big um uh, I think it was the first Thor movie and uh, they had the score tempt with some Hans Zimmer music and the guy who redid it was so damn close to the Hans Zimmer score. You, you, you hear him back to back in this one. I was like, oh man, mm -hmm. you might as well be ripping them off. I mean, come on. So yeah. that's the, uh, that kind of it's stuff like goes the on. Bernard, yeah. That kind of stuff goes like on the all the time. Herman. Yeah. Score for Psycho being used in uh, Reanimator that was basically, he said he was doing something different, but it's basically the exact same the thing, same just thing. kind of like slowed down or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I remember I, I went to you and I'm like, hey, I need this score and I want it to sound like the opening to Reanimator. And you got back to me and you're like, this is, this is Psycho. This is, this is the score from Psycho. This guy just ripped it off. Yeah. <laughs> that, and, see, uh, I as, think that, uh, is it Richard Band or whatever his name is who did the mm -hmm. music to Reanimator? That he, you know, I think he got some flack for that too, but he was trying to pay homage to it, but it's a little close of an homage. I guess. Well, it's, you know, it's irritating. Richard Band or Charles Band? Charles Band's the film director of Full Moon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He mm. does some of the music though, so that's why I I think sure. it's his brother, Richard, I, okay. I think, but I'm not positive. Remember, we, we went to the Full Moon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we got to tell that story in a minute though. Yeah, we Brian, don't like what a, were you saying? Yeah, oh. Brian has got 
finishes. Well, and and you know, and I uh, will praise John Williams for everything he's done. I want to add this in here, but he's not completely innocent either. All right, the opening scene of Star Wars, the first scene of the ships flying over. It's from mm-hmm. Mars of the planets Gustav Holtz. It's in the same mm-hmm. key. Yeah. It's in the same exact key. This yeah. real dissonant, punchy chord going over and over and over again. I was like, "Oh boy!" Oh, yeah, he's not completely innocent either. But he has come up with some iconic, mm-hmm. iconic themes. You know that. No, right, that we'll give him a from. pass. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe <laughs> he's, maybe he's he okay. deserves a little bit of a pass yeah. for one little indiscretion now yeah. and then. You yeah. Because yeah. he's given everybody else so much fodder to take and steal yeah. from. Well, and, right. um, and now he's but, doing the new Obi Wan Kenobi show. He is. Is at, he real? He's, he's at least doing the main title theme. It's very. I was because mm-hmm. I was I was checking IMDb. Who's going to get it? Who's going to get it? Who's going to get it? And finally, I saw an article the other day. John Williams is at least doing the main title, if not the whole series. So I was like, oh, Did thank you, you thank you, thank you. Well, it's like I was just so That's thankful. Awesome. It's like, you know, of course he's got to do it. You know, it's like who else could possibly is, isn't do he it? Ninety two. He just turned he's ninety. He's, ha- he's just be, turned ninety. Yeah. He's, okay. I knew it was somewhere he's around gotta there. He's got to be held together like, with still swizzle sticks like, and duct tape yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's insane. Well, so Daryl and I went uh, with um, our friend Matt Darst, who was. Uh, is another uh, director, uh, former director. I think he's out of the biz now, but oh, yeah. from Springfield. And uh, we went to to meet some of our icons in the horror industry. At it, it was the first and only annual Full Moon Entertainment um, Film Festival. Right, a film festival, or was it? It, just it, a, it was a convention of something. A film before. convention, yeah, in Little in, Rock, Arkansas. In Little Rock, Arkansas, because they were shooting yeah. a movie there. They loved Little Rock, and they thought, "Okay, we're gonna do this." Well, we go and we think this is gonna be awesome. It's gonna be big. I mean, freaking, so it had everybody names. there. Linda Blair was there. Uh, you know, The Exorcist. The you know, uh, Reagan from The Exorcist. It had David Naughton was there. Uh, American Werewolf in London. It had Joe they Bob had, Briggs. There was like yeah, half Joe Bob the Halloween Briggs. casts were there. You know what? And I, I didn't mean, get to meet Joe Bob, and that kills me because I, I don't no, know why I didn't meet him. Well, I didn't really. I knew who he was like topically, but I never watched any of his oh, stuff. I always and watched. He was. It. Yeah, it, we get there and there's literally more guests than there were attendees. Oh, yep. Like not an exaggeration. <laughs> right. It's this huge space ringed with tables and there's so few people there spending money. Like Joe Bob Briggs is just walking yep. to the other guest tables and chat. Like we had like a five or ten minute conversation with uh, uh, the Jeffrey guy Combs. that directed. Well, Jeffrey Combs, but also the guy that directed Reanimator. Stuart Gordon. <clears throat> Stuart Gordon. Yep. God rest he was, his he soul. was away from Love his him. desk. Uh, yep. Looking at videos, he was trying to find some French uh, movie with Monica Bellucci. <laughs> Irreversible. He was looking yeah. for the movie Irreversible. We were together, standing next to him, going through these bins at this like rip-off DVD store. Oh, like, yeah, they're they burning bootlegs. DVDs and selling it. With I mean, then there's all these actors around, you know, and it's yeah. like this is pulling from their pockets. But this guy's got all these rip-off DVDs and all these knockoff movies that are like directed DVD titles and a ton of porn versions that of were the movies based off of the horror movies. And I pulled out. Repenit or you pulled out Repenetrator and I gave yeah. it to Stuart Gordon and he thought it was hilarious and he got yeah. it. He's like, that's how you know you've made it when they yep. start making pornos of your work. Right. Like, yeah. You know? 
and Stuart Gordon, he was such a nice guy. And uh, um, I've, oh man, I've always, he's a Chicago guy. He started doing theater mm-hmm. here in Chicago at his own theater company. And uh, man, I would have loved to have worked with Stuart Gordon. But oh, yeah. yeah, I got to talk with one of my idols, Jeffrey Combs. We t- hung out with Jeffrey Combs for like, 30 or 40 minutes because it, it nobody was, was there to talk to him so we were just sitting there chatting and yeah. did the same thing with david naughton talking mm-hmm. to him for a while because he had actually come to springfield and performed a in a, play. In a yeah. play at landers at the springfield little theater and so we had that to kind of talk about you know and mm-hmm. and everything but and then daryl okay. had an encounter with linda blair and daryl you have got to tell the story because it is fucking hilarious okay so she's like five foot tall she is if tiny. that she's a hobbit yeah and her bodyguard is this, this giant gentleman sitting next to her. And a buddy of ours, Mickey, uh, he has some pit bulls. And uh, he knew that she runs a pit bull charity. And uh, the dog that she had adopted, that kind of got her started, this had been sick. And so she had posted had online. Up. Yeah. Yeah. She posted up how the dog was doing and all that. And so I was kind of familiar. And I was like, you know, I, always, I mean, it, it has gotten me in some kind of trouble a few times where I try to come up with a connection with the person signing. Like, it's not just a, hey, here's 50 bucks, give me your autograph sort of thing, um, which is my own issues. But uh, <laughs> so, like, she has this big banner behind her about the Pitbull charity, and I come up and I, I hand her my money, and she stands up, and Nathan and, and Darst are next to me, and I go, oh, by the way, I've been keeping up with the, the story with your dog. How is he? And she just, well, but you said the name, it was like, let's just say Jojo. I don't know what the name was, yeah. but yeah, you were like, I, yeah. oh yeah. And how I, I've been keeping up with everything. How is Jojo? Yeah. And, and she, she just she went, just like her eyes just turning like, I physically felt fixed fire with this stare and the body. And the guy behind her lowered turn. his head, like was like, <laughs> yeah, the bodyguard does a slow turn and he goes, it died last night. Oh. It was like Jojo died last night or and, yesterday or something. Yeah. <laughs> Darst <laughs> just goes. <laughs> it disappeared it disappeared and it, i slowly it, slunk away and like, leaving daryl to deal she's linda blair again she's five foot tall i'm six foot she is staring at me across this table i can't move because all of this rage this is during the era when like the michael vick thing came out where he was dog fighting and, and you know mm-hmm. killing dogs and all that and i got everything that she was upset about at that yep. moment just poured she into my face unloaded like, on him like, Never, like, wasn't like yelling, but it might as well have been. And I was terrified. Yeah, handed like, Daryl his ass. Like it yeah. was, wow. it was worse than any scene in The Exorcist. No, you know, she any- like, <laughs> I was getting the, I was getting the autograph from my buddy Mickey, and he couldn't join like, us. Yeah, she, she talks. She yeah, he had something going, but she's like, she's going off on this stuff. She goes, "Which picture do you want?" And I just like point randomly because I didn't, I could not move my eyes off of her. And so it was something like she's got like bare midriff and like all this other stuff going on. And I was going to have it signed to Mickey. And she goes, what's your name? I go, Daryl. And so she's signing her, my name on it instead of his. And this goes on for like 15 minutes. And God bless Nathan. He keeps like moving to the side and trying to like interject with little comments or questions to kind of like defuse her and distract her. It's her eyes never leave mine. I was swore she was going to do a ninja flip over that table and rip my head right off of my body i mean wow just so much for 10 minutes yeah it was a long time yeah and i go thank you yeah and just like turn and like a chastened toddler just like sped away to where darst was hanging out like 50 feet away just watching yeah and and nathan comes up i could not watch the exorcist again 
for a solid decade because <laughs> it messed with me. She's that terrifying so much. in real life. I will but, never forget that. That story was so funny, but it was terrifying on the day. And I felt yeah. bad for everybody involved. You know, I felt bad for her. She's going through this grief. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. she's got some other things going on. Maybe she probably shouldn't have gone to the event. And yeah, Daryl is an incredibly wow. nice guy. Was just trying to be nice and also, I mean, she posts all this stuff on social media. It's not like he was really yeah. creeping. You know, he's a fan. He knew that she really cares about these rescue dogs. So he was legitimately yeah. concerned. But a lesson to everyone listening, maybe don't bring up anything that could potentially have an emotional uh, negative right. impact on anybody at a con. Just yeah. Yeah. keep it light. Keep it happy. Keep it peppy. Keep it gay. You know, don't don't go. <laughs> Don't don't go with the things that could be, you know, because that turned dark really fast. But oh, yeah. it's all cemented in my mind. All those beats of her locking in the bodyguard, lowering his head and saying, Jojo died last night or whatever. Yeah. Like Jojo died last night. Or Jojo died yesterday or whatever it, it was. And I was like, oh, my God. And oh, man. And then just unloading on you. She it, it was it, it, it was it intense. was like I was getting beat up like without Verbally. her ever really raising her voice or yeah. i mean it's a things moms have you know my mom has that she oh, can get yeah. real sarcastic and mean without ever raising her voice but you feel like your soul's being scooped out mm -hmm. with an ice scoop no, that, you know like yeah. an ice cream scoop just little bit by little bit that's exactly what happened it was yeah. intense and the story is worth that whole trip I mean, 100 percent because the rest. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of like actors that were sad because they like made no money. We felt bad for everybody. Set. And we didn't have a lot of money back then either. So we were like spending no. everything we could on autographs just to. Oh, my yeah, God. DVDs and, we felt yeah. bad for him. It's like, here you go. I mean, yeah. and they had big people there. I mean, yeah. these are big industry people. And also, um, oh, oh, God, I can't think of her name. She's been in so many, so many movies, including The Stand with Mick Garris is The Stand and uh, Cheyenne. Sh oh, Shawnee, uh, Shawnee, Shawnee Smith? Smith. Yeah, she was one of the ones I got because I love the blob. Right. The 90s. Oh, my God. And yes, yeah, yeah. she's the girl from the blob, the 80s blob. Yeah. It was so and good. Very that crumb, you know. Oh, right. Yeah. The yeah. John Candy film. <laughs> it, so. it had every it, man. It, it had so many people there that were just icons. It, it was it that was huge. I mean, it was, it and there was should have California, been massive amounts of people there, out. and there weren't. Yeah. If well, it was here in Chicago, it would be sold. I mean, yeah. it would be just billions of well, people going we ended up talking to somebody and it come to find out whatever promoter they hired just completely literally did they not shut promote the bed yeah they didn't all. promote they it. The and nobody knew and until ran. the week of we didn't even hear anything you had heard yeah. about it last minute and so we drove from springfield to little rock arkansas to go to this thing yeah. and that was kind of how everybody did it was like what there's something and so only the people who could get there but normally you're promoting that stuff you know four or five months, months in advance yeah, just to to sell Especially all the different that kinds. guest list yeah. Right. Well, and was it? But like I mean, a cons huge, now I think are even bigger. Was it like a huge venue? It was, and everything was empty because yeah. nobody. But they were preparing for hundreds of people, maybe thousands of people, or yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it was a huge space. Like it, you could it see tumbleweeds of, rolling down the hallways. Because yeah. that's they just lined up these. There wasn't a ton of vendors in the center, and all these, all these autographs were just on the outside. And so there was like you literally could have played a game of basketball <laughs> easily <laughs> in in this area because there was there was nobody. Nobody there. there was just wow. every. Everybody was sitting at their tables like, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, just... and so we were going up and talking and people were just having long conversations. And that was the coolest thing is, I mean, they were there, yeah. they're getting a stipend to be there, I'm sure. And then they're also getting whatever, but they're hoping to make money on, you know, autographs, autographs. and photos and stuff. And so we're there doing that, but also just getting to talk to them because they're bored. So they're talking to us 
and real people like real great interaction connection and uh it was it was an amazing experience but it was also very sad and they never did it again uh no because that first one was well, so uh, and to, it's sad because that could have been a really good thing for arkansas and for the midwest to have that there yeah like they, every it, year it was so bad that to the point where uh i mainly subscribed to shutter just for joe bob briggs now which is yeah. why i wish i knew then what i know now hashtag about him. fam yeah <clears throat> exactly <laughs> and uh there was one of his episodes uh, during lockdown, it had Jeffrey Combs on it. He was doing Bride of the Reanimator. It was yeah, I saw that. It was a great episode. He yeah. specifically mentioned that convention as being the last time he had been to Arkansas and visited with Jeffrey Combs because Jeffrey Combs has family in Arkansas that they went to visit oh. after that convention. But he said he has not been to Arkansas or seen Jeffrey since that terrible. Like he just, Joe Bob just stops and like shakes his head for a solid five count. Thinking I about did this not convention. remember that in that episode that he said yeah. that, but that oh he, like my he God. called it out and I was on the couch just cackling because we were there. We, we know we witnessed yeah. that terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. I was just rewatching the episode, the the newer episode that he did for Valentine's Day with Frankenhooker on it. Well, that's uh, which is which is just a a beautifully made schlocky movie, but it's so good. It's so. I'm so just good. like 15 minutes into it because oh, I know it's great. Like since I started watching Joe Bob, that Darcy has been trying to get Frankenhooker. Yep. He talks it up like it's her favorite movie, uh -huh. and so I've been trying to find it, and there's like not been a decent release of it. So I couldn't even get it on DVD for less than 60 bucks. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to do that. But then now they've got it yeah. on there. So I was pretty excited. Yeah. And it looks great on there, too. You can also it's streaming, too. I think they had it on Shutter or something or I rented it. But I watched it not too long ago for the first time this last year. I watched it for the first time. Yeah. It's it's great. Good. Well, it's, it's fun. I mean, it's produced by Troma, you know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which means it should be free everywhere. But right. You know how that is. Yeah. Yeah. God, I'd love to work with Troma. I think they're hilarious. I mean, f James Gunn got his start with Troma, with Tromeo mm -hmm. and Juliet, Tromeo and that Juliet. created yeah. his whole his whole career. He went on from that to, you know, get writing credits on like Scooby-Doo and then the the only Zack Snyder movie I can I can watch, which is the Dawn remake of, the of Dawn of the Dead, which is yeah. the greatest remake, I think, of a horror movie that has ever been. I think that it's, is, it's the only fast running zombies movie that I'm right. Really into. So. I completely agree. There, there's a whole zombie episode right there. For you, you know what? That's a movie that needs a, uh, the soundtrack put out on vinyl. I would mm -hmm. buy that. I, I can't find it, though. I can find playlists made of it and things, but it, like it's a one of the greatest horror movie soundtracks, I think, in the last 20 years that has come out. And uh, it's just got great songs and great versions of, of songs. The opening credit sequence in that movie alone is one of the most terrifying first 10 minutes of an opening you know, oh, yeah. of a horror movie. Oh, yeah, and then yeah, the opening the credit Cash. sequence... Yep, and there's yeah. a man going around. Take the uh, when the man comes around is the name of the song. But oh, yeah, oh, it's so good. So good. Now I gotta go watch that. Oh, Make right? me excited to go watch that. We should all go watch <laughs> a movie together. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, though, uh, listeners, it's about time to wrap up. But we just want to say thank you so so much, Daryl. Oh man, I, I miss you. I. <laughs> I miss you a lot, and I don't yeah. get to talk to you uh, near as much. I know Brian hasn't talked to you in a while, too, right? You guys haven't. haven't no, we saw each other a couple times in L.A. Yeah. It's been a long time. Well, and there was an email you sent a little while ago. You were calling yourself an asshat for not communicating, and I called myself an asshat for not yeah. communicating, so we're both yeah. asshats for not staying in communication <laughs> yeah, more. Exactly. So glad. No, I'm so glad yeah, yeah, we yeah. get to do it on the, on the, on the podcast here. Yeah. 
Yeah, and yeah. Well, hey, we're so glad. We hope you come back on the show sometime again. Yeah, uh, now you've got your your microphone headset. Yeah, you could join awesome. us, and yeah. we're all we're all of the same ilk, balancing uh, life, love, and existential dread while doing the work and uh, that we love with people that we love. So, uh, thanks again, Daryl, Brian. It's always great chatting on these calls with you, my friend, and uh, we will uh, we will do it again next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, hit us up. Join the conversation. If you want to uh, correct us on anything that you heard that we might have <laughs> please gotten do. wrong. Please uh, do. Or, uh, yeah, please do. Join the conversation. Hit us up on our socials. Uh, we've got those links in our show notes. We want to hear from you. Uh, you know, join the conversation. Maybe we'll have you as a guest on the show sometime. Who knows? Uh, but thanks for listening, and uh, we'll chat next time. Thanks, everybody. All right. Bye, see guys. You. See you guys. Later.